Okay, if you have Bibles with you, would you please open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm in the middle of a series on the gifts of the Spirit based on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, In our first two messages in the series, I laid a foundation for the cause. I wanted you to know that the gifts of the Spirit are indeed biblical. I believe we established that. That one of the main reasons why the gifts of the Spirit were given to the church was for what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, for the common good. They were given for the good of the whole community. And the other point that I made in laying the foundation is that the gifts are for today. They didn't die out with the early church. But they are still available to us today. Scripture says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he gave the gifts to the early church, of course the gifts were available to us today. In in the next three messages, Gifts of the Spirit 3, 4, and 5, we looked at what I called um, the gifts of discernment, or using the metaphor of the body, the eyes of God. So those, those gifts were the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. spirits. And for each one, we defined the gift, we explained its purpose, we, uh, we dis- you know, I, I explained how the gift actually practically works, <clears throat> and then offered some biblical examples for each. Last week in Discerning of Spirits, I told you that discerning of spirits is, a, is spiritual insight to confidently, confidently distinguish between human, demonic, or divine activity. That's the purpose of discerning of spirits. Where is this coming from? Is this, is this a human thing? Is this a person thing? Is it a personality thing? Is it, is it demonic? Is this something the enemy's doing? Or is it divine? Is this the activity of God? And I gave you a great example from John Arnott from the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship. He talks about some of the, uh, you know, some of the dynamic ministry times that they've had. So they pray for people. And sometimes people will fall down on the ground and shake. Anybody ever witnessed that? They've been in a church service where... People got prayed over and they fell on the ground shaking. He said, I could have four people laying on the ground. All, all four men, they're all shaking. And he said, the sermon of spirits will, will be able to distinguish what's going on. He said, the first guy's shaking. He said, he's being healed physically. The second guy, there's something emotionally that's being healed. He said, the third guy, he's, the, he's manifesting a demon. <clears throat> he's getting delivered. He said, the fourth guy over here, he's just mimicking the other three because you know, he doesn't want to be left out. So you could discern God's healing somebody, you know, somebody's being set free from some demonic influence, or is it just a human thing, you know? I want to be included. I don't want to be left out, so I'll just pretend I'm getting the same thing the other guys are. That's, that's a pretty good practical description of how discernment of spirits could work. <clears throat> we looked at a bunch of biblical examples. Jesus knowing Nathaniel's nature in John 1, Samuel choosing a king, in 1 Samuel 16, Peter knowing that Jesus is the Messiah in Matthew 16. <clears throat> Jesus knowing the source of Peter's rebuke later in that same chapter. Paul casting a demon out of a slave girl in Acts 16. And so that so far, the whole series, the first five messages in the series, they're all available for free. You can get them on the church website. You can get them on my personal website, TomZawacki.com. If you go to TomZawacki.com, it's my son's website. It's going to look very different than my website, right? <laughs> if you go to TomZawacki.com, you can get all the sermons. And recently, I figured out how to make it into a podcast uh, on iTunes. So if you do it that way, you can get them, get them that way as well. They're all free. 
It'll get you up to date if you've missed anything. So today, I want to continue in the series. My goal is to go through as many of the gifts as I can. <clears throat> and so uh, today we're going to look at uh, we're going to look at a new category. Uh, the, where the last one was the gifts of discernment, the eyes of God. This will be the gifts of power, which represent the hand of God. And those three gifts of faith, healing, and miracles. And today we're going to start looking at that section by looking at uh, the gift of faith. And we'll do like I've done with the other gifts. We'll define it. We'll explain its purpose. Um, I'll explain how it works and offer some biblical examples. And then at the end um, of the message, we're going to have a ministry time. We're going to have a time where we can practically... Uh, experiment with using the gifts. And so the way that that's been working, just so you can prepare yourself, is at the end of the, of the sermon, we'll ask everybody to stand, we'll pray. We'll ask God to speak to us. Usually it comes in some variation of word and knowledge. And if you get something, well, just raise your hand. And whatever God reveals to you, if that applies to somebody, we'll pray for that person. Okay. Now, there, I know that there are some of you here that you've got experience with this. This isn't your first rodeo. You've done this before, right? So I encourage you, if you have eyes that see, you have ears that hear, you're able to recognize when God's speaking to you, would you turn that on now <laughs> and start listening, and then um, it'll make ministry time probably a little bit more enjoyable. And so my, this is my heart with that. Why are you doing that, Tom? Why are you making us do the ministry time at the end? Well, if you want to learn how to swim, you've got to get in the water, right? You can read all the books you want about swimming from world-class swimmers. You can listen to lectures from the best people who've ever, you know, jumped in the pool. And learn about technique and how to, you know, shorten your time and physical conditioning and yada, yada, yada. But guess what? If you never get in the pool, if you never get wet, <laughs> you'll never learn how to swim. So I'm not content as your pastor to just give you information. We've got we to practice doing this if we're, if we're ever going to do it. <clears throat> and so that's why we do the ministry time at the end. So if you're at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, follow along as I begin reading at verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all purposes, in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. So Lord, I thank you. Thank you for your word and for the truth that's in your word. <laughs> Even if it is an inconvenient truth, we thank you for it, Lord. I pray that you would conform us to your word, that your word would have its full impact on us, and as a result, make us more like you. Amen? So I've taken time to explain why, why am I preaching this series of messages. I took extended time last week. I won't do that today. But just to reiterate this one main point, the reason why I'm teaching on the gifts of the Spirit is not to raise up an army of prophets. 
That's not my objective. I don't want to raise up an army of people who know how to heal. Or an army full of people who are expert at, at discerning the spirits. That's not my objective at all. If, if we have people who are really good at those things, hot dog, I'm all for it. But that's not my objective. I've got one singular purpose. And it's that you would have intimate friendship with God. And I believe that the best way that that happens is when there's spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection between him and us. When his spirit is active and working in us, and we're able to commune and communicate with him at a healthier level, then our relationship with him is better. Most people, will, most Christians will tell me they believe in God. Some of them will tell me they trust God. Very few Christians I've ever met have told me that they have clear, healthy lines of communication between, between them and God. I want to fix that. I want to see that changed. Why? So that your, your relationship between you and God will be more intimate, will be healthier, will be stronger. And I've got to believe that if you can hear him better, you can follow him better. If you can hear him clearly, you can do the things that he's called you to do more effectively. Doesn't that make sense? Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Wouldn't it be good if we could listen to his voice? Wouldn't it be good if we were known by him? And then from that we could follow him. So why all this? Why all this emphasis on the gifts? I believe that with some information and with practical application, it will help you listen to God better and hear him more clearly. <clears throat> the problem's not on his end. Do you understand that? The problem's not on his end. If, if there's a breakdown in communication, you realize that he's perfect, right? The, the book that we revere, we call the Bible, is an incredible piece of evidence that we serve a God who chooses to communicate with his people. And when the last page of that book was written, God didn't seal his lips. He continues to speak. I want to be able to hear him. I think we need to tune our radios to his frequency. So there's less static and, and a clearer signal. The problem isn't how he speaks. The problem is how we listen. And the information that I'm offering to you and the reason why I'm doing it is so that you and God can have better lines of communication. Guys, from the bottom of my heart, listen to me. I don't care if we ever grow this church. I don't want to have a charismatic church or a church with the gifts of the Spirit exploding here just so we could draw a crowd. I couldn't care less. I want every person here that God wants here, not one more, not one less. But for the people who are here, for the people that God's entrusted to my care, for as long as he's entrusted them to my care, I want to help them. I want to help you have a healthier and more intimate relationship with God. I know it's possible. My personal journey is evidence to the fact that it can get better. I've been a Christian for 37 years, and the degree in which I'm able to hear him has gotten better over that time. Isn't that how it should be? Nadine and I have been together 35 years. <clears throat> at, this, at this point, words are hardly necessary, right? She knows. We'll be, this scary woman, scary woman, we'll be sitting there. And I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about ice cream. And she looks at me and says, 
you want ice cream, don't you? I'm thinking, how could you? Get out of my head, woman. How could you possibly know that I want ice cream? Well, I mean, probably the default position. I could have ice cream for breakfast, but sometimes she freaks me out when she doesn't. It's the fruit of relationship. It's the fruit of lifetime intimacy. What, if, if man and woman can do that with one another, what is the possibilities with the divine? Is there anybody here who feels like, I got this covered, I'm as, I got as clear lines of communication with God as I'm ever going to need, and I'm done. And I just want to close that chapter and move on. Man, I feel like, I don't think so. I, I just, I'm just scratching the surface. There's more. There's more of who he is, his heart, his nature, to reveal to us. So I'm thinking, if we could explore the gifts, then maybe we can grab nuggets, and we can find something that fits with us, on how we can better connect with him. Because that's what it's all about. That's why Jesus came. That's why he paid the debt. He paid, suffered what he suffered, rose again, and gave us his spirit. So that could be relationship with him. I need more of that. That's why I'm doing this. I believe with all my heart that if you have better communication between you and God, it will help you fulfill your destiny. It will help you do the things you were created to do. It will help you live your dreams, satisfy your passions. Anyway, that's why. So when I began the series, I told you that there are four categories of gifting I'm breaking this down into. And we're using the metaphoric language of the physical body. The eyes of God, the hands of God, the mouth of God, the heart of God. Well, the... The section we just finished, the gifts of the sermon, the eyes of God, that's wisdom, the gifts of word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the sermon of spirits. Today we begin the next section that that references the the hand of God, the gifts of power, and those are faith, healing, and miracles. The other two, the mouth of God, are are the gifts of speech, and they would be prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And the last category is the heart of God, gifts of passion which would be mercy, encouragement, and helps. And so you can see, we'll, we'll, I'm going to park on this for a while. And so we're just starting the second of four categories. Today we'll be looking at the gift of power section, the hand of God, faith, healing, and miracles. Now concerning this section, where, whereas the, the gifts of discernment had to do with spiritual insight or seeing from God's perspective, the gifts of power have to do with, not surprisingly, the, the actual power of God. Faith and healing and miracles are the gifts of the Spirit in which the supernatural power of God is seen. These gifts are acts of God. They are the divine power of God working through an individual to accomplish a particular result. Now, just like there was overlap, I told you, with how the word of wisdom and word of knowledge and discernment of spirits, they can, they can kind of blend together, they overlap a bit. Well, there's overlap with these gifts too, um, with faith, healing, and miracles. They often work in concert uh, with one another. <clears throat> I know for some, we'd, we'd love to create, uh, create these very uh, sharply defined lines of categories of, well, this is this gift and this is that gift and here's the other gift. But it's rather than that, it's more like a blending of colors where one kind of fades into the other. It, it works more that way. It would help you if you understand them from that perspective. So today we'll look at faith. Let's define 
uh, the gift of faith. The gift of faith is a supernatural surge of confidence from the Spirit of God. The gift of faith arises in a person faced with some specific situation or a particular need. The person receives from the Holy Spirit what I call a transrational certainty and assurance that God's about to act. It can be irrational. The circumstances can be ridiculous. It could be like Daniel in the lion's den. That's, that would be transrational. Are you with me? So this, there is this transrational certainty and assurance that God's about to act. It's a confident certainty beyond human logic or reason. Think Moses standing at the Red Sea and he stretches forth his staff, right? Impossible, ridiculously impossible circumstances. Gift of faith. <clears throat> the gift of faith is special. Uh, it's the special ability that God gives to certain members of the body of Christ to discern with extraordinary confidence the will and the purpose of God for his works. It's both the irresistible knowledge that God's intervention is certain and the authority to realize God's intervention through the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's that irresistible knowledge and there's an authority that comes with it, boldness. The gift of faith is what we would call mountain-moving faith. Now there are, there are four types, my study has revealed, that there's four types of faith in the New Testament. And it might be helpful to understand the difference. There's faith, um, there is faith which is, which is a creed, the, the, doctrine we, uh, the doctrine we profess to believe. For example, of that would be Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13, where it says, So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach Unity in the faith. That would be that kind of faith. That doctrine that we profess. That we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So this, this is a faith that's um, doctrinally. Another faith is there's a faith which is the basic trust that a man or woman needs to have uh, for salvation. For example... Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Most of you are probably familiar with this. It says, it, For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. It's by grace that we've been saved through our trust in who God is. Through faith. And it is not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not because of works, lest anyone should boast. I've heard faith defined this way, this type of faith. The faith, the ABCs of faith. Faith is an action based upon a belief, sustained by confidence. ABCs of faith. Faith is an action, based upon a belief, sustained by confidence. And so we're confident. I, I, you think of it this way. I walked across the floor this morning to come and set up over here for today's service. Well, I've walked across this floor before. I have confidence that the floor is strong enough. It's going to sustain even my weight to get from the doorway to here, Right? So, so based upon, I have confidence, uh, I believe that the floor will hold me up, so I take action. I walk. Right? That's the ABC's faith. Faith is an action based upon belief, 
sustained by confidence. I like to think it this way. This is trust. I trust God. Just like I trust that the floor is strong enough to hold me up, my faith in God and my trust in God is I'll take actions because I trust him. I know that he's good. I know that he loves me. I know that he's for me. Because I trust him, I'll take an action based upon that belief, sustained by the confidence that, that he's proven his, his love for me. So this type, this second category of faith, this is the trust type of faith. It's relational. A couple of other scriptural examples that fit here, this type of faith. Hebrews 11, 1 to 3. Now faith, or trust, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was not made of, was not made out of what was invisible, what was visible. Or Hebrews 11.6, just a few verses later. And without faith, without trust, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's a, a comment about that here. I like the word trust. It's impossible. Without trust, it's impossible to please God. <clears throat> I've made the mistake, maybe you have too, for so much of my journey thinking that faith was something I had to work up. Faith was something I had to stir up, or I had to become really good at. And if I didn't do that, then it would be impossible for me to please God. I think that's missing the boat entirely. I don't think it's about my performance or about my works. I think it's about a trusting relationship. Without trust, without a trusting, intimate relationship, it's impossible to please him. I will never be able to please him by my works. If I could do that, Jesus didn't have to come. But if I have trust with him, if we've grown in relationship and intimacy, if I can hear him and respond back to him, and relationship becomes healthier, trust is formed. That's where the pleasure, where the, the ability to please God comes in. Does that make sense? Boy, the difference is dramatic. And it's liberating if we can capture that. So this is a trust type of faith. And as much passion as I have for that topic, that's not the faith I'm talking about today. Then there's a third category of faith, which is listed as one of the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians uh, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. This is, this is loyalty, which is produced by the Holy Spirit and cultivated in a believer's life. It's the fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness. It's also relational. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. This is that type of faith. Gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. And then there's a fourth category of faith. This is a, this is a faith which is a gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the mountain-moving surge of faith. Both Jesus and Peter referred to this type of faith, the, the gift of faith that's listed in 1 Corinthians 12. This is the one that I want to focus on today. <clears throat> in Matthew 17, this is mountain moving faith. Jesus says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as the mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. This is that kind of faith. Again, Jesus said in Matthew 21, 20, 21, I tell, truly I tell you, if you have faith, there's mountain moving faith, and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, 
But also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it'll be done. This is the kind of faith that Paul's referring to a chapter later in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 3. I love these verses. As a prophetic person, this keeps me grounded. I love this. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, um, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith, Mountain-moving faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship, that I, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. <clears throat> so Jesus is speaking about love here, but in the middle, he describes a particular type of faith. That if I have this type of faith, mountain-moving faith, so this is the kind of faith that we're talking about. Um, this last category uh, is the one which Paul had in mind when he's speaking of the gifts of the Spirit in our main context, uh, main text from 1 Corinthians 12. James also implies this type of faith in James 5.15, where he says, The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. This is, again, this is the same mountain-moving faith. This is the faith that that meshes well with healing and miracles. This kind of faith, like saving faith, it's given sovereignly by God. Like we can't earn salvation, <clears throat> we, can't, we can't somehow make that happen on our own, we can't make this kind of faith happen on our own. This is a gift from God. It's a gift. A gift is given, right? If you earned it, it's not a gift. So what's the purpose of the gift of faith? Well, so we've defined it already. The purpose of the gift of faith is to move mountains. It is to see the impossible realized. The gift of faith enables us to believe God in impossible circumstances. It's that, it's that rush, that ability to say with extreme confidence, regardless of the circumstances, I know this. I know this is right. I know this is going to work out. I know this is the way to go. I know that God's about to do this, and then, it, and then it bears out. I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about bravado. I'm not talking about what we work up. I'm talking about, um, John Wimber used to use the word unction. I like the word unction. Unction would come on somebody, and you just know that you know. You know that you know, and you know it from God. The gift of faith enables us to believe God for healing the sick, for miracles, for supernatural provision. It enables us to believe God for the promises that he's given to us that have been spoken over our lives. The gift of faith enables us to believe God for God-sized things, for something beyond our natural resources or capabilities. This gift of faith enables us to believe God for the supernatural. Okay, so we've looked at definition and purpose. How does this work? How does this gift of faith work? Well, as I begin to explain how it works, let me, let me start by telling you how it does not work. I think that might help set some healthy parameters. So though it can be very exciting when this unction, when this, this rush of the Spirit comes on you, that you experience this gift of faith, though that moment can be very exciting, let me tell you, it's not a gift of faith is not produced by hype, 
It's not produced by flamboyance. It's not produced by stirring up somebody's emotions. That's not, that would be us initiating it on our side. When it's a gift of faith from God, it happens without any of those things. Can, can people be excited and the gift of faith operate? Absolutely. I'm not saying that, that excitement or passion is, um, is a, a hindrance to the gift of faith. I'm just saying it's not the road to get there. Right? If we do hype, if we do emotionalism, if we're flamboyant, that doesn't make the gift of faith show up. That's just being excited about something. <clears throat> it's, the gift of faith is not something we can work up with great worship, with an impassioned plea, or by loudly quoting scripture verses over and over and over again. Right? Anybody ever experienced any of this stuff? It's just me, I'm sure. <laughs> the gift of faith is not positive thinking or a positive attitude, though I think both, both of those things are positive. <laughs> <clears throat> the gift of faith is not being optimistic. The gift of faith is not seeing the glass as half full. So those are the things that the gift of faith are not. So what is it? The gift of faith is a sovereign anointing. It comes on a person at God's initiation. It isn't there, and boom, it is. There isn't confidence for supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit's power, and then suddenly, bam, it's there. It's in you. I didn't know, and then I do know. I know that I know with extreme level of confidence. You know that God's about to move, and then it happens. So you have that level of confidence, and then it bears the fruit of that type of faith. The, the, we see the miracle. We see the healing. We see the, the impact of the gift of faith being present. <clears throat> so this a story from my personal experience. I have not experienced this a lot of times in my life. This is not one of the gifts that I have a lot of experience with. I've had just a handful. <clears throat> and usually for me, um, it works together with the prophetic gifts. Maybe because I've spent so much of my life cultivating those gifts that when it shows up, it seems to be, in my experience, uh, with that. Now, <clears throat> some of you guys have seen me do this. When I prophesy over somebody... I try to do it in a, um, in a pretty relaxed manner. I don't, I'm not looking to hype it or stir it up. This is part of John Wimber and the Vineyard's influence on my journey. Wimber would say, dial it down instead of whipping people up. So I, I'll dial it down. And so when I share a word with people, I'll, I'll couch my remarks based upon the level of confidence and faith that I have. I, and I may say things like, well, I look at you and I see this. I think it might mean that. Or it could be this for you. And so I leave space for the fact that I could be wrong. Why? Because I've been wrong before. And it's just helpful for me to be humble. <clears throat> but then there are those other times. And there haven't been many of them in my life, but there's been a few. And this is what it's like. This is the how. This is the best I can describe the how of the gift of faith for you. For me, it's like it bubbles up from inside of me. It wasn't there, and then it is there. And there's this... Um, it's like this boldness, this authority, this confidence just explodes forth uh, in, in a way that would, be, would not be typical to how I would usually do things. And so here's one example. <clears throat> now, when I teach people about prophetic gifts, I'm pretty careful about telling them, hey, don't prophesy marriage, don't prophesy babies, don't prophesy you know, job changes. I said, 
Don't tell somebody, don't prophesy to somebody to quit their job unless you're ready for them to move in with you and you're going to feed them and their family. All right? So I try to leave some healthy boundaries there. So we're at our church in Washington State, and, and just like I don't prophesy much here on Sunday morning, I didn't do too much there, but this was one particular Sunday where we were. And, and boy, I tell you what, man, it was, a hot, it was hot that day. The Spirit of God was moving, and I could really feel some stuff and just kind of encouraging people, giving them really some positive prophetic words. And then, remember, I was kind of walking back and forth in front of the congregation. I was kind of like over here. And, I did, and this is one of those moments where I felt this thing just bubble up inside of me. And I did something I'd never done before, I'd never done since. I kind of whipped around and pointed my finger to our associate pastor's daughter, Emily. I said, Emily, stand up. She stands up. I said, Emily, you're going to fall in love within the next year. Ooh. And as the words came out of my mouth, I'm like, no! <laughs> to drag them back in. And her, her father was the drummer. I really expected a drumstick to come you know, through my back and just come flying out through the middle of my chest, right? Because Emily was what, like 18 at the time? She was young, young, beautiful girl. But it just, there was so much confidence. I had such an incredible level of assurance that this was right that it just, it really exploded out of me with great confidence, great boldness, great authority, and then I wanted to go find a hole to go hide under. Well, guess what? Nine months later, she's engaged. And that Sunday was the very first time her fiancé ever visited our church. He was sitting in the back of the congregation. They didn't even know each other. They'd never met at that point. It was amazing. I don't, there was something in the Spirit of God that was able to you know, communicate the connection between those two. So I apologized profusely to, his, to their parents, and he threatened a few times to do that with my daughter, but it never, it never really came to pass. But it's about the best experience that I can offer to you that, you know, how this thing kind of works. It wasn't there, and then boom, it was there. It just kind of exploded out. And, and it took time, but it bore out to be true. I don't think it was long after that that they started dating, and I got to officiate their wedding. She was one of the most beautiful brides we'd ever seen. Holy cow. She was just absolutely stunning. And I, I remember doing the ceremony. It's a little rabbit trail. But doing the ceremony is a big, you know, you have to have the aisle down the middle where the bride's going to come, right? And my daughter is sitting in the last row on the aisle seat. So here I see the bride coming down, and I see my daughter in the background. And I'm, like, I'm getting all choked up, and tears are filling my eyes. I'm thinking, Lisa, go sit somewhere else because I can't be in this setting and see my girl back there without, you know, getting all this daddy stuff stirred up inside of me. But anyway, it was a beautiful wedding. And so it worked out there. That's my, my personal experience, limited experience, granted, with the gift of faith. So let's look at some biblical examples. Um, great example of, of the gift of faith in operation is David facing Goliath. So let's just talk about that story a little bit. Goliath had been taunting King Saul and the Israelite army um, every day and night. Every day and night he would come out and taunt them for 40 days. And so upon hearing Goliath's taunt, David says in verse 26, and I think this is where you begin to see in David some of the gift of faith stirred. He says, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? This is a kid. This is a teenage boy, right? Oh, oh, for 40 days and nights, there ain't a warrior in Israel that's willing to step up against the giant Goliath. And there's something stirred in the heart of David. It's transrational. It's illogical, right? 
So David's brought before King Saul. That's what he says to the king. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Man, there's something in this kid. You know, it might be easy at this point to say, he's just, he's just arrogant. He just has bravado. He's just, he's just talking a good game, right? This is trash talking. Verse 33, Saul's reply, he says, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. David's response in verses 34 to 37, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came to carry off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it, when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, this is faith. This is the gift of faith. The Lord who rescued me from the poor of the lion and the poor of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. It must have had some impact on Saul because Saul says, go do it. Here's the rest of the story. It's got to be one of my all-time favorite parts of scripture this is verses 42 and 50 so it says he Goliath looked down over and saw that he was little more than a boy glowing with health and handsome and he despised him he said to David am I a dog that you come at me with sticks and the Philistine cursed David by his gods he says come here and I will give you flesh to the birds of the air and the wild animals. David says to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gather here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Whew, gotta love David. Verse 48, maybe my favorite verse. He says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly to the battle line to meet him. David ran to the battle. Love David. Just love him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The, sun, the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand and he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Whew, what an incredible faith. That's the gift of faith and action. A supernatural confidence in God to defeat this gigantic, experienced, and well-equipped warrior. That's the gift of faith. Another biblical example. Jesus sleeping in a boat in Mark chapter 4. You ever felt like Jesus was sleeping in your boat? I felt like he's sleeping in my boat sometime. So Mark 4, 35 to 41, it says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, 
and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? This is the kind of faith, the gift of faith, mountain-moving faith. Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So, the gift of faith can rest in the middle of a storm. These, these are seasoned fishermen. These guys are experts. They've been on these seas before. If they're concerned that they're going to die in the storm to the point where they feel they've got to wake up Jesus, this is a serious storm, right? It's not just a little bit rough seas. They're thinking they're going to die. Experienced, lifelong fishermen are concerned that they're going to lose their life because of the storm. What's Jesus doing in the midst of this horrific storm? This is the gift of faith in action. You can sleep in the midst of chaos. And then the gift of faith is able to declare, <laughs> be quiet, be still, and the storm, the storm stops. Well, what was the gift of faith in action for here? Because <clears throat> Jesus said they were going to the other side. That's how the story starts. He said they were going to go to the other side. They were going to go to the other side, on the water, over the water, under the water. One way or another, they were going to the other side. So, why? Jesus said so. So it's a, another biblical example of the gift of faith. Let's see. I got two more. Uh, the, the centurion in uh, Luke chapter 7. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal the servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. This is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent uh, returned to the house and found the servant well. So this, the servant impressed Jesus. Uh, the, the centurion impressed Jesus. You don't see too many parts of scripture where Jesus is impressed. This guy, this guy impressed Jesus. He had a gift of faith. He had supernatural assurance, confidence, that just Jesus' word would heal his servant that Jesus' touch wasn't even required. That's a pretty significant level of faith. And one more example. And this is from Acts chapter 3, Peter and John. 
So one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. So a word of command. I love what it says here, with an exclamation point, look at us. It kind of, it kind of descriptively reminds me of my experience when I whipped around. It's like, boom. The person's there, and you're not noticing them, and then suddenly... You, could, you know, something gets activated and you, and you recognize him. You say, look at us. You know, it sounds like it bubbled up inside of Peter like I described in, in my example. He says, get up and walk. And the, the lame man's here. So what do we see from this gift of faith, from this, this mountain-moving gift of faith that's listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Well, we see that this type of faith can defeat giants. It can calm storms. It can heal the sick, even at a distance, with just a word. And with the gift of faith, the lame can walk again. Pretty good stuff. I could use more of it in my life. How about you? Maybe we have not because we ask not. I'd like to ask for today. Next week, we'll continue the series. I'll, I'll look at the gift of healing. So, let's pray. Let's stand. And let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the truth that's in your word. Lord, would you line up our lives so that our lives look a whole lot more like your word and a whole lot less like this world. Lord, I pray that um, my prayer is this, Lord. I want my life, I want everyone here to have a closer, more intimate relationship with you. Lord, I want there to be healthy and better lines of communication between us. Lord, I pray that that we would listen to you, that we would hear you, that we'd understand you. Do it, Lord. Lord, I pray you stir up the gifts of your spirit in us. Would you do for us what you did, what Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus? Give us the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation so that we'd know you better. That we'd know you better, Lord. So let your gifts get stirred today, and we practice with them, Lord, that we get better at it. <coughs> this would be a safe place to practice doing your stuff. Not just the proclamation, but the demonstration of your word. Do that for us, Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name.